This podcast is brought to you by Intel V Pro. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. She's a leader on the front line combating the coronavirus in a major city. In this segment, hear from San Francisco Mayor London Breed about how she's working to combat the coronavirus in her city. Welcome back. If you were with us for the conversation with Mayor Bowser, uh, to those of you just tuning in, I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter here at The Washington Post. We are now going to continue our focus today on mayors with San Francisco's mayor, London Breed, a Democrat. She is the 45th mayor in the city's history, and she previously served on the city's board of supervisors. Mayor Breed, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you. Your city was one of the first that had to deal with this outbreak. It was one of the first to declare an emergency, one of the first to institute stay-at-home orders. Where do things stand today? Well, right now we have uh, 1,302 cases in San Francisco, uh, with sadly 21 people who lost their lives to this virus. And right, it, it has been, of course, very challenging, but we see the numbers go up, but we don't see the drastic increases that we anticipated. Um, our hospitals are, are prepared for a surge, and we are grateful that that has not occurred at this time. So we're just hopeful about the future and what that will mean. It's given us an opportunity to focus on contact tracing so that we can identify people who have contracted the virus and then not only who they live with uh, in their inner circle, but start to make those phone calls and go back to places that they might have been in order to determine whether or not someone they've been in contact actually has the virus, whether they exhibit symptoms or not. So we are we are able to move in a different direction, which I think is 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 great. But uh, we want to be optimistic, optimistic about uh, the possibility of moving too fast with reopening. Uh, but we also believe that we need to begin on that path with some of our residents. When do you expect your city to reopen? Well, it's hard to say. I think that what's going to happen as we get more test kits, because we definitely need them, as we uh, focus on contact tracing, as we maintain our hospital capacity, uh, it is going to be uh, necessary to make sure that if we open, we take steps at opening. For example, um, all industries would not be able to open right away unless we have certain guidelines that we're putting together. I set up an economic recovery task force of various industries, and the goal is to help to develop guidelines with these industries uh, and to work with our Department of Public Health so that we can slowly begin uh, to see our restaurants, our uh, hair places, and other uh, functions of our city open, because it's not just about access to services. It's about the livelihood of the people in these industries. Uh, but we also have to be very careful that we don't jump the gun. To that point about not jumping the gun, we got a, a, a note from a man named Brendan Starr. He's a resident of your city in San Francisco. He asked, Mayor Breed, how will the cities be different once it's safe to return to, quote, normal life? What is what does the new normal look like? How well, do you see that? Yeah, unfortunately, the new normal is, for example, we're used to maybe going into a restaurant and being a lot closer in terms of our tables with one another. That will change. Um, even getting a haircut may require the wearing of a mask and gloves, and the capacity at some of these locations are going to be different. 
um, large-scale events. Uh, when you think about the symphony or the warriors or, or various large-scale events and how close the seats are, those kinds of things need to be evaluated. And this is a part of the Economic Recovery Task Force plan is as we open, especially in the absence of a vaccine, we need to still take certain precautions, but we're going to need to gradually start moving in that direction. There is, you know, the possibility to look at, you know, dog parks, for example. We closed dog parks and maybe we can reopen dog parks with certain guidelines. So we're, we're evaluating what we've closed. Construction um, in our city has uh, pretty much halted. And so we're looking at ways to start to bring back construction with guidelines in place. So it's going to change life as we know it, but we're hoping that we're able to allow people to get back to things that they want to do. But more importantly, we need to open up our economy in a responsible way so that we don't see a significant surge that we're definitely not prepared for. And to do that, you're going to turn to this advisory board you just talked about. But one thing I was wondering was regionally, you're surrounded by Silicon Valley, by tech companies. Have they done enough, in your view, to be supportive of San Francisco? Well, we set up a fund um, where we've raised over $10 million um, from organizations like Twilio and Salesforce and, and some of the companies in our city who've been very generous, not just with their resources, but with their technology. Um, the contact tracing uh, application uh, is a tech tool that's being used. And some of these companies are working with us in order to provide the technology to manage what we're doing every single day. Um, there's, of course, always more that anyone can do uh, to help in this pandemic. And the tech industry is located throughout the Bay Area. And so they've been actively engaged in not only San Francisco, but San Jose and Oakland and other places. And I do think that it's going to be critical to the success of our ability to address this, how we communicate. Technology plays a critical role in, in getting us back to opening our city and being able to communicate with people fairly quickly. You said there's always more they can do. What's one thing tech companies could do to help San Francisco? I, I think that part of it is, number one, of course, contribute to causes that are important, especially food insecurity, things like Meals on Wheels and our food banks and other places like that. Um, their employees can also volunteer uh, to help at those particular locations. Uh, but more importantly, uh, they have the technology necessary uh, to provide a resource. So when they see that there is an absence of something, you know, to step in and to use their critical thinkers to, to produce something that's helpful. For example, um, Jeff Lawson and the company Twilio, uh, they just came up with an idea around the food that the restaurants actually purchase from some of the growers and other places. They developed a tool and started working together to contact those growers to work with those restaurants, and they raised the money to pay the restaurants so that they can purchase those goods and provide those to low-income families. So that is really an, the tools and the resources and getting creative is what I think is going to be critical to helping not only San Francisco, but the rest of the country uh, get back to, to where we were. I saw a report earlier this week that Latinos are getting hard hit in San Francisco uh, in a way that is alarming to you and others who are leading the city. What are you seeing in terms of racial disparity on the ground? Well, we, we have seen the disparity with our Latino community, and I do think that 
uh, it's important that we you know, talk about specifically what we've done from the beginning. We set up an emergency operations center back in uh, January of this year to monitor the situation. And from the very beginning, uh, the Office of Racial Equality and focusing on outreach and the work that we do from an equity lens was at the forefront of what we've done in low-income communities, in our public housing settings, with our immigrant communities. We wanted to make sure that we provided testing to people who are not necessarily documented, but also who, do, who may not have insurance. We didn't want any of these things to be a barrier if you are sick and you need to be tested. And so I think the good news is that people are not afraid to get tested and use the resources we have available and they know what is available. But the sad reality is uh, just what you're seeing in the numbers in terms of the disparity with the Latino community and the work that we need to continue to do uh, be, uh, to make sure because many of the folks uh, work in the service industries, some are still uh, uh, really in need, they're essential service workers. And so making sure that people get tested or that they stay home. And I think the challenge too is the, the disparity around people who are in poverty, where they feel that even if they're sick, they have to go to work and where else are they gonna get money from? And that's why we created Give2SF to provide resources for food insecurity, to help people pay their rent, to help with our small businesses and their employees because we don't want anything to be a barrier to making sure that people can take care of themselves. And so we're grateful for that. And we know that there's still more work that we're going to continue to do on the ground. Speaking of that work that still needs to be done, let's finish there with the issue of homelessness. We've seen outbreaks at different shelters in your city. It's a great city. I miss going to San Francisco. But homelessness is a major problem in how they deal with this pandemic. What are your options as mayor, can you try to move them to vacant hotel rooms? What yeah. can you do with the homeless? So first of all, there's only been an outbreak at one of our shelters in San Francisco. Uh, secondly, you know, San Francisco has about 5% of the homeless population in the entire state of California. And we have been able to, throughout California, acquire over a little bit over 4,000 hotel rooms. We have already moved almost a thousand people into hotel rooms that are homeless, which is about 25% of the hotels for homeless people in this state. So we're moving at as rapid of pace as we can. And it does require in the age of social distancing, logistics that we have not necessarily experienced before. Um, um, the, the challenges with homelessness, especially people who suffer from substance use disorder and mental illness, those don't just go away. It's already challenging in some cases to work with this population on any normal day, but now in the midst of a pandemic, when we are asking people to socially distance themselves, and then we're trying to help a population that in some cases may refuse to wear a mask or follow the directions of standing in line at six feet apart, or when we're moving people from the shelter to the hotel rooms and not riding more than one person in the elevator. The challenges that continue to exist make the logistics and the management of, of serving this population uh, really tough for us but it doesn't mean that we're gonna give up. I mean, the fact is, as I said, getting almost a thousand homeless people into hotel rooms, I'd like to know any other city that's already been able to accomplish that because uh, we are working hard. We have dedicated people who work for our nonprofits and city employees who are disaster service workers who may work as librarians or work in wreck and park facilities and other places. 
they don't necessarily work with the homeless population, but they're being trained to help us and to work in these hotels so we can increase our capacity. So it is, it is really tough and we are working on it every single day. Um, we've moved families, we've moved those who are over the age of 60 and those with underlying health conditions, not just in our shelters, but also people who are on the streets. We are seeking them out to get them into hotel rooms. Uh, but the management of those systems and the logistics continue to be a challenge for us. Just one quick follow-up to that, to close. Are you facing a budget shortfall, and do you need more money from Washington? I asked Mayor Bowser about this as well, more money in the phase four legislation coming up in Washington, D.C. Well, San Francisco, our controller projected that our budget shortfall will be anywhere between $1.1 and $1.7 billion dollars. And we definitely need more assistance. Uh, for example, uh, FEMA has uh, approved paying for 75% of these hotel rooms if they're occupied for someone who is either COVID positive, 65 or older, or have an underlying health condition. Well, you know, our, our aging population, especially homeless people in their 50s are struggling. So we lowered our own age limit and we know we're gonna have to eat the cost of that. Tourism is important in San Francisco, and it's not just going to come back after we start to open the doors. The conventions, uh, the visitors, the things that naturally occur that generate the revenue for our city, it's not just going to re- um, it's not just going to come back overnight and our small businesses are struggling. They're not going to be able to, you know, pay the city taxes. They typically pay the city. So yes, we need more help from Washington. But we especially need more help from Washington to help still with PPE, to help with this medical challenge and to support the people who are most vulnerable and our small business community. I don't think that it's a lot to ask to get these resources directly in the hands of the people right now who need it the most and to work with cities on our economic recovery in the long term. That's all the time we have today. Mayor Breed, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck as you deal with all of this in San Francisco. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.